Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey everyone, Matt Fraser here with Doug Hay from Rock Creek Runner, and welcome to episode 10 of the No Meat Athlete radio podcast. And uh, today we are going to talk about a couple of different topics. We've kind of started to get some feedback trickling in about this uh, podcast of ours, and it seems like that there are some actually at least two people in the world out there who are listening to it, <laughs> which is kind of a good sign. I mean, it's encouraging. It's, it's hard for, on these things to really get that feedback and figure out how many people are listening just because we don't know that much about what we're doing and how, how to, how to track that sort of thing. Uh, but it's encouraging. So I'm excited about that. And, uh, you know, we figured it sounds like people are are listening to these things while they run. And we've heard that from a lot of people. So for that reason, uh, I mean, I've, I've always been sort of afraid to let, you know, I kind of want to keep them short and not go too long and not be boring, but we figured if people were running to these that we'll just let them go as long as they, uh, as long as they naturally go and, and not be too worried about keeping them brief. So, of course, you can skip around if, if that's not your thing, but um, we're going to do that, you know, hit on a couple different topics. The main topic today uh, is one that is kind of about how do you – it's something that Doug just went through, and it's sort of how do you uh, recover after a big – like a race that is, you know, you view as a failure or a struggle, uh, something that's sort of dispiriting, and how do you how do you get back to running after that and, and – uh, I don't know, you know, continue on, put it in the past. But before that, we're going to talk about something a little bit lighter, which is juicing. Because, Doug, you just wrote or just published a uh, guest post on No Meat Athlete called a 30-day juicing challenge about your little 30-day juicing challenge. And you're, you post yeah. recipes and stuff. So just seemed like something to talk about. I mean, it's kind of a hot topic these days. And uh, I don't know. I, I was inspired by your post to, to want to try something. I mean, I've done a little bit of this juicing in the past, but... I don't know. I'm not sure quite what my feelings are on it, but I wanted to, uh, you know, we could take a few minutes and talk about that now, actually, and just sort of see where see where you are on yeah. it. I am on it. Yeah, I think, you know, I think one interesting thing about juicing is that people are either very pro juicing or very against juicing, and which is interesting because it is so similar to a smoothie. You know, you're basically just uh, extracting all the fibers from the fruits and vegetables, but you know, a lot of people think that that is the fibers are a really important step, a really important thing that, you know, you need to be taking in. Um, and other people see it as a good way to just, uh, you know, take in a whole bunch of nutrients, um, and let your body do hardly any work processing it. Right. And that was with the thing you said at the end, there, taking in a whole bunch of nutrients was kind of what sold me a little bit on it. Like in the past, I've, I mean, I've done it before. I swear by morning smoothies. Uh, the reason I've, kind of gotten away from juicing is just not so much that I think you addressed this in the post a little bit. You said, yes, you do need fiber, but you can also get that fiber elsewhere. And if you're eating a good, healthy plant-based diet, you're probably already getting plenty of fiber, which is, which is totally true. Um, my theory on it was more like this sort of whole food theory that, that foods are whole and they're the way they are for a reason. And we've evolved, um, as human beings, I mean, to, to eat the foods that are around us and, you know, you know, our, our bodies are are not designed to drink machine extracted juice, but they're designed to eat an entire fruit. So, so that fiber, sure. that fiber, aside from serving the the purpose that fiber 
just serves in your diet. It also serves the purpose of filling you up, telling you to stop drinking this many calories. Like, you know, it prevents you from drinking a whole ton of sugar or, or right. calories in the form of juice. And potentially, I don't, I don't know about this particular case, but generally, like, the components of a food help you absorb the other components in the food often or help you make good use of those components. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure fiber plays some role in that too. And I don't, I don't pretend to know how that all yeah. works. But, yeah. No. Oh, go ahead. So, I mean, that, that's always been my, and a lot of people's um, sort of beef with it, for lack of a better word. Uh, <laughs> but, but what you said, this idea, and then I read my friend Jenna's article that, that we linked to in that post where she, she said she kind of treats it as a supplement. Like, right. I don't think you said that in yours. I'm not sure if you did or not, but no, I didn't use that word, but it, you know, it's like, you know, a, a multivitamin or something right. like that. Yeah. Thinking of it as sort of a whole or, or closer to whole food multivitamin. Um, I, you know, I really like that idea. And I like this idea of, you know, energize, you know, supercharging yourself with these nutrients without being totally full, especially if just for a short period, I don't know. That that kind of was attracted to me. And as the weather gets warmer and it becomes summertime, I think I'm going to try something like this again and just just see how it goes. Yeah, and I I think you know, I I think that they both smoothies and juicing play important roles in in anyone's diet if you know if they choose to do that. Um I I think that you know, if you're using juices as a meal supplement, which is what I was doing throughout this challenge, um you do run in you definitely run into the issues of um you know, taking in enough calories, you know, being full, feeling full because you're not, you don't have the fibers in there to fill your stomach. Um, but also, you know, just making sure that you're, you're getting a balanced enough meal to be considered a meal. But, you know, when I was drinking them in the morning, it was just this huge, it was like drinking, you know, three or four cups of coffee. It was like this huge surge of energy, uh-huh. but, um, but in a good way, you know, it didn't lead to that crash. It just kind of woke up my brain and woke up my body. It was just a great, I found it to be a great way to start the morning. And I've had plenty of smoothies in the morning too, and they do that to an extent. But um, this was just kind of a, a different—I don't know—it had a different effect on me. And I'm sure that other people would say that it didn't have that effect on them, but um, that's the way it worked for me. Yeah, that—that's also interesting to me because smoothies, uh, as much as I love them and, and do drink them almost every morning, I—I I need like an hour or two hours after I wake up before I am in the mood for a smoothie because it is right. heavy like that. And I can totally see how, especially in warmer months, but even in colder ones, how uh, how just having juice would be like a nice sort of wake up drink in the way that coffee is for me and for a lot of people. Did you drink coffee during during this though, or did you, were you able to like stop? Because- I didn't drink it during the cleanse, and I wouldn't drink it while I was drinking the juice. Um, but you know, an hour later or something like that, if I I don't know, I love coffee. <laughs> no, right. I definitely I definitely didn't quit, did not quit coffee for the thirty days. But, you know, I also did some reading, uh, which is interesting about how warm beverages like hot teas and coffees um, can really uh, prohibit some of the, your body from absorbing some of the nutrients. So uh-huh. um, especially in leafy greens like kale and iron, um, uh, you have to be careful about when you're, you know, not taking them in at the same time and, and um, allowing time for your body to absorb the and break down the nutrients in, in the food you're eating and then, you know, having your tea or your your coffee later yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because we've just just kind of uh rediscovered that matt rusigno uh wrote about that in an iron iron post on no meat athlete a while ago and uh my wife erin found out her iron levels were just like slightly low she's pregnant by the way um found out at, at the, the doctor that her iron levels were just slightly low 
and they said she needed to or she should think about getting more and they and I think she bought a supplement but she hasn't actually used it yet or had to um uh-huh. but what she did one thing she did was she she has decaf coffee in the mornings and she moved that uh to be away from when she was getting her iron source which which for us has been often pumpkin seeds in the smoothie and some other sort of iron rich you know leafy greens and stuff so she's right. moved she's moved the smoothie away from her coffee drinking time but i didn't know it was because of the what the thing that matt wrote in this iron post was that it had to do with the tannins it definitely wasn't the caffeine but it was the tannins in the beverage that somehow prevented absorption not necessarily the hotness of the drink but yeah maybe, well, maybe you might be right <laughs> and it might be i mean hot drinks are generally the ones that have tannins in them because they extract tannins because they're hot so that, right. that could be the same same reason. yeah no i think you're right I, you know I'm, in fact i'm i'm almost positive you're right but yeah i kind of uh cut out hot beverages around that time you mm-hmm. know, just kind of grouping them all together interesting yeah. Um, and then, and you said the movie that that did it for you as has done for so many people. And I've heard, I, I hear more about this than than Forks Over Knives. I think this fat, sick, and nearly dead movie or documentary that I still haven't seen yet. Uh, I know it's on Netflix. For some reason, I just haven't watched it yet. Maybe because I've sort of been anti-juice until recently. But uh, right. what what can you just give like a like a one minute synopsis of it? Like what like what's the what's the premise of the sure. movie? The yeah, you know, you might have heard more about it because I think that. Well, I, I first learned about it um, because the juicing company, whoever sponsored it, um, was running commercials for it, and they were it was free on their website, so you don't even have to have Netflix to watch it. I don't think. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's basically this guy, this uh, I want to say Australian guy. Um, he's overweight, you know, low energy, lives a very unhealthy lifestyle, and just um, you know wants a change like many of us do and uh starts juicing and he goes on a full i think i want to say 30 day juice cleanse mm-hmm. um and drops all this weight and you know totally changes his lifestyle and energy levels and he is a becomes a runner and you know all this you know incredible stuff and um that's kind of the first half of the movie and the second half is him working with other people to do the same thing and and the real the biggest uh, inspiration of this, you know, in the movie is, uh, this, um, truck driver here in the United States who, um, who's just incredibly obese, just a really out of shape guy. And he, it totally changes his life. He takes up this juicing in a, like a 10 day cleanse and then he keeps going and inspires all these other people. And it's just a really, um, I don't know, it was, it was inspiring for me and, you know, not just about the juicing, but about the importance of, of raw foods and, um, and you know, just kind of making sure you're monitoring what you're what you're taking in. And it was it was really neat, and it made me um, want to uh, start juicing. Not definitely not all the time, every day, but um, it, try it out. And and so <laughs> Katie and I, uh, my fiance, immediately started uh, googling juicers and trying to figure out which ones we could afford because they're not cheap. You know, most of them run at least two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, good good ones can be like five hundred dollars. Um, and and wanting to try it out and we ended up not getting one but then uh you know thankfully NutriPro uh <laughs> approached us to do this post so that worked out really well that did work out well yeah thank you NutriPro for doing that um the one one thing i wanted to bring up one more thing about juicing is this now i mean going from fat sick nearly dead to to this it's a good segue because i think I heard I have this, this friend of mine named Shane Whaley. He writes uh, a blog called RunningOnJuice.com, and 
it's you know it's exactly what what it sounds like it's kind of being into juice and being into running not necessarily vegan i don't think but uh he said a lot of people what inspired them to kind of create this this product of theirs which is like a kickstart thing for juicing he said that people see this fat sick and nearly dead and and try to go like crazy into like some month-long cleanse where they don't eat any food or something like and they try to Basically, they just go 100%. They go cold turkey all the way, full juice right away. And, and within, he said, 10 to 48 hours, they're done because they're just, you know, they all, all the habit type stuff we talk about that, that your willpower just gets right. messed up immediately. And so anyway, his his program is kind of a a smoother transition into that, um, which is, I think is cool. And I, I was just wondering, like, so you guys, I know you said in the beginning it was hard when you actually did – a cleanse but yours didn't last long right your actual cleanse part 48 hours right. yeah 48 hours and we wanted to keep it short you know i, I kind of have mixed feelings about cleanses to begin with and uh-huh. um you know i think that they can be beneficial for sure but um you know i think you have to be really really careful with them so we decided to do a two-day 48-hour um cleanse just to kind of jump start into this into this challenge and that worked well you know it it was a good way to really take in a lot of juice um right at the very beginning but it was also yeah it also did kind of reset the system a little bit and and clean us out and allow us to kind of take in absorb the juices a little better i think so yeah and during during that period did you do fruit juices too like the sugar and stuff or were you like it wasn't like pure vegetable juice was it no we you know yeah and that's one thing you have to be really careful with with juices is it's easy really easy to um add a whole lot of fruit and you're just taking in way too much sugar, way too fast. Um, but we did in almost all of our smoothies, especially towards the end, um, we were adding a, you know, an apple or two or a pear, or, you know, something sweeter just to kind of for flavor. Yeah. Um, you know, which, which I don't think is a bad thing, but you know, if you're doing all apple and, you know, orange juice, you know, you're going to take in way too much sugar. Yeah. Yeah. What I gathered when I was looking at this stuff, this was a year or two ago, is that there are so many different philosophies on not just whether or not cleanses are good, but if you accept that they are, uh, which I'm not sure that I do, and it sounds like you're not really sure either, th- there are so many different approaches. Like some people say give yourself tons of these valuable sugars and fruits and all that they offer, and some are like you can't have any fruit, you can't even have carrots because they have a lot of sugar in them, and right. it's like pure green juice. And some, you know, some have some bit of solid food, some say... You can eat some soups that have like miso in them, but I mean, there's so many different theories about what works and what doesn't. Um, right. It's it's a lot of it. I'm sure is a pseudoscience, uh, unfortunately. But you know, there's I I wouldn't doubt that there's something to it, especially for someone who's overweight and where it kind of represents a big calorie reduction for them. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see that being a pretty useful. Yeah. And to- you know, and you can find information on on two three day cleanses you know all over the place and and they'll give you good information about different recipes and tell you exactly what you're taking in and what you need to supplement with and that kind of thing you know i think that uh rich roll um didn't he start he went vegan when he went vegan he started with a cleanse i believe is that right i don't remember that i remember i mean i know it was a transition and i think his wife was vegan and he wasn't i don't yeah. remember that part though but uh, i, I want to say i want to say that uh yeah, he woke up. He had that nightmare and woke up and, um, you know, went on in like a week-long cleanse or something like that. Um, and but I do know that he offers um, a cleanse through his website through Jai. Oh, is that right? Jai okay. Lifestyle, yeah. Um, and that would see that would be the one that I would trust just because he's an athlete and someone he's someone who in general I think really does know what he's talking about. Uh, 
Uh, so I don't know. That you know, check that one out if you haven't. I haven't. <laughs> yeah, I think jilifestyle.com. He has some products, and one of them is is this cleanse. Cool. All right. So I think that kind of covers what we know about juicing and uh, the main issues with it. So yeah, let's... and I'd love to. Well, just before we move on, I'd love to hear what other people, you know, through comments on the on this post, the 30 day juicing post, or you know, any comment on um, this podcast. You know, I'd love to hear what other people their experience with juicing and, and cleanses, you know, what their opinion and all that is. Yes. So leave that comment, and then while you're at it, while you're in the mood of doing what we say to do, and and helping <laughs> us out, go to iTunes and rate the show and review the show on there because that apparently helps tremendously and it seems like a lot of people find this show find us that way so if you want to help us spread the message about this and especially if you want us to do more of these things like someone on the on the twitter machine said (laughs) that that they wanted more of these and they didn't want just once a month they said do it once every two weeks or once a week and we would like to do that and, and we could do that but it's hard to because it does take energy to do one and get it edited and get it on and write the post for it um, but so you know, we need to know that people are listening, and and the more that we can get that kind of stuff. And I don't want to make this podcast all about asking for people to go do that, but I meant to mention that at the beginning. But anyway, do that if you like the show, please. Yeah, it definitely helps. And and you know, we obviously appreciate everybody listening. So don't feel like you have to do it, but it would be a, a big help for us. Exactly. All right, so let's get into our main topic today. And uh, Doug, since this topic was inspired by your recent experience, why don't you introduce it, and then uh, we'll just go from there. Yeah, so I think this is um, kind of a topic that every runner, every athlete in general has um, has either been through or will go through at some point in their uh, you know running careers. Um, as we talked about last month in the ultra marathon one, uh, I we talked about my recent. Um, Ultramarathon, the Mount Mitchell Challenge, which uh, you got to come out and, and support. Um, uh, and that was at the beginning of the season for me. That was like back in February, and it was just this really great experience. Um, I just I trained well, and the race went well, and I just ended that race just feeling super um, confident and, and really great about my running. Um, and a couple weeks later, I was running a 50K, um, the Terrapin Mountain 50K, down in Virginia um, with a group of friends and and going out about Mitchell I was you know I was in good shape and just didn't really take it very seriously it was you know shorter than Mount Mitchell and um, I was just so confident that I just really didn't take it very seriously and I just knew that I was going to do well and we were just going to have fun and it was going to be a great day but you know it ended up being a totally different experience than than what I had planned it was a much harder course than I had bargained for, and um, about halfway through, I just totally bonked. I've never bonked that bad in anything, in, in the 50-miler and a marathon and anything. I was, you know, kind of stumbling to the side, afraid I was going to puke on the course, and I was shivering, and you just had no energy, and mentally, I broke down like never before, and I, you know, I, I just, I remember thinking, why am I out here and why am I running at all and I never want to run again and you know it was I'm in the middle of this run streak and I was ready to just quit right then and never put on running shoes again um (laughs) yeah it was bad you know but I think that what hurt the worst you know I ended up getting through that my some friends helped me out and we I never felt great but I got through the race um but I was just so defeated afterwards the 
I never got that achievement feeling when it was over. I just, I was so defeated because I was confident going in that it wasn't going to be a problem, you know, and I just had this big ego and, you know, I don't know, I just ended up not going that way at all. And I was so defeated and it was hard for me to think about how to move on. I have this other race uh, next weekend and whether or not I wanted to run it and whether I should needed a break and just kind of how to move on. And I know that you've been through some similar things in ultras, but you've also, you know, with um, training for Boston and having to go through so many races to get there, you know, it, it can be, it can be tough when, um, when you don't reach your goals and a race doesn't go as you had planned. Um, yeah, and, absolutely. I, I yeah. think it's, it, I think this, uh, with, it's funny how universal among ultra runners, at least this idea of like retiring from running basically while you're in the middle <laughs> of a race, it, it seems like everyone I know who, who runs ultras has had one or more of those moments and it's just, it's so funny how serious it is. Like, you really do think, I'm never going to run again. Like, why am I doing this? Like, why <laughs> am I spending my life doing this sort of thing, just being miserable? Right. And, and it's just, and like, you don't really hear that. At least I never have heard that from marathon runners. And I didn't experience it when I was running marathons. I don't, I guess because it's not in the woods and, the, and it's, you know, it's on roads and you can always just stop at any point and, I don't know. I, maybe it's just the, the sheer distance, the difference, and, and you know, running a really hard 50k trail race is a lot harder than running a marathon. You're out right. there for a lot longer, so there's a lot more opportunity for that thing to happen. But uh, yeah, but I mean, it happens. It has happened for me. It had happened with with Boston and trying to get there in kind of a different way. It was I never felt that kind of wanting to quit running feeling and like just wondering why I was doing it. But I certainly had disappointments, and it, it was. What I went through was weird. Was was I would I would actually be setting PRs in marathons, but I had worked myself into such a frenzy and sort of convinced myself that this was going to be the race where I qualified for Boston, uh, even though I was like you know might be 30 minutes or 40 minutes away when I when I started, uh, and I would PR by 10 or 15 minutes, and it would kind of feel like a, a disappointment or a failure at least in in the short term it did. Right. So it's a good topic and definitely something I've been through. Um. But one more thing about about this that ultra running feeling, the, it's what I think is happening there. Is, and I've I've just I read a, there's a book called Stumbling on Happiness by Daniel Gilbert. He's a Harvard uh, psychologist of some type, and it's all about kind of how our brains are so are really pretty bad at at knowing what will make us happy. And it kind of explains why so many people fail in the pursuit of actual happiness. Um, but what what he's what the point that he makes at some point, and there's there's another point from the book that I want to bring up later, is uh that when when our when our bodies are in some sort of like physiological extreme state of some kind, like if you're completely full after Thanksgiving dinner, it's very very hard for you to ever imagine being hungry again. Like you you just can't really get in that mindset when when there's all this food in your stomach. And I think it's I think this is exactly what's going on here is when you are this so horribly fatigued and it feels like so hopeless like you can't possibly imagine what it will feel like to to want to go running again like you just can't <laughs> imagine being out of that state and 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 like you know as you experienced i think you emailed me like the next day and said you know i, I really got to think hard about what what i'm doing and what my running plans are and and then like a week later i kind of asked how you were doing and you said oh yeah that you know a lot of that has, has passed now and you were back <laughs> so <laughs> It just—I don't know. It's just—it's funny how we do that, and and we do it, and we don't really even learn very well that we do it. I mean, I think 
I think ultra runners go through this time and time again, and and each time they're still convinced that that they really are retiring from running after this one. Right. And uh, it, it's just interesting how how we work that way. Yeah, I, you know, I think that what had had happened to me in this case um, more so than any other time, and I've definitely had low times in ultras and in marathons. You know, I've had some low times, um, but when you know, I would always move past that, you know, and especially at the end when you're like a couple miles away and you're excited and you know you're going to finish and you cross the line and, and you just feel great, you know, you feel like this achievement. And this, I think, was the first race that I've, you know, I've done really in a long time um, or ever maybe that uh, that I just didn't feel like I had done anything. I felt like I had failed instead of uh, right. actually, you know, actually, you know, I ran for six hours, you know, that's an achievement. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, but but I didn't feel like that. So how did you feel at the at the end of that race? I'm curious. Like once you were actually done, and that night and evening, I mean, did you feel like you had accomplished the event, or did it, did it just feel like failure for all all day? Yeah, no, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean. I think that it, it I felt bummed out. It never it never felt good. And even looking back on it now, you know, I I look back in it a little more fondly. I think I had a I ran with a, a, two friends, and and that was kind of fun. Um, but I never felt good about it. You know, the next morning I woke up and we were staying out in the cabin. Um, I woke up and I was the first one up and I kind of went, made some coffee and went walking around um, by this creek in the in, in front of the cabin. And I just remember feeling so bummed out that <laughs> that I had, that I had uh, suffered so much. And I think that it was more like ego uh, than anything else, you know. Yeah, right. Um, but <laughs> but it's, it was different. It was weird. So the reason I asked that, and this will be my my second uh, Dan Gilbert stumbling on happiness <laughs> that I wanted to say, because it, it's really interesting when I reread this, and it's I don't know if I'd recommend the book. It's it has some really good points. He's like kind of like a comedian in it. He's sort of like a lot of funny lines, and it's like a little too much for me. I don't I don't know if I, <laughs> but it's worth skimming and like getting the gist of what the message is. And you but, read it uh, twice. Yeah, I did. So I I mean I must like it in some way because I read it all the way through once, and this recent time I kind of skipped around and skimmed it and sped speed read it or whatever the word would be um but anyway what he said he said something in it that i had read the first time but it hadn't really struck me then because i hadn't you know i have i have experienced things between then and now that i hadn't then and what what it, when i was uh in san francisco like i think it was two decembers ago uh and i and i talked to leo met leo from zen habits for a drink and that this is my obligatory mention of Leo in the podcast, which I, <laughs> I must always do. Every must, time. I must mention Leo or Zen Habits in some way every time. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I later wrote a post about our conversation, and the question was, what's really the point of this run? Like, why do we do this ultra running thing when when it puts us through so many of these moments that, that are really, really hard and so hard that you say, I don't want to do this anymore? Like, why do we keep doing it? Like, why do we sign up for then another harder race than than the one that put us through that before? And what he said, what Dan Gilbert said in this book, he said that when we try to store memories of an experience so that we can draw upon it later, and this, you know, more of a as a survival mechanism, which is what so much of what's in our modern brain architecture is based on what what was best for survival before, right? Uh, you know, in the times of saber toothed tigers and much you know many different uh <laughs> different life than we than we now have most of us 
But anyway, instead of storing the whole experience, because you can't store, you can't go back and watch your entire ultra marathon in your head, because there's not that kind of storage space in your head. Um, you you store little snippets in different spots of of it, so you'll remember the beginning, you remember some parts, some highlights, and these snapshots. But especially the end, the very end, how an event turned out and ended, that's like the big influential event that is stored in your brain, and that's where you go back. So. When when you suffer through a 50 mile race and mile 30 and 40 are like the lowest moments of your running career and lowest moments of your life, when you get that little surge at the end and you finish strong, that is, that's kind of the the lasting impression of of the race in your mind. I mean, according to this, what he's what he's stating is is what's happening. So you know that that's then that's kind of the explanation for why why do we go back and sign up for these things? It's because you got that little second wind at the end and it finished and it was successful. And then you were so proud of it in the hours afterwards that, that that really far outweighs these, these really, really painful moments. And maybe not just in a conscious way, like you can, you can remember and remember that you did feel bad and remember that you did finish strong. But I think probably on a much deeper level, like in, in kind of your, your subconscious, right? Maybe, maybe what's, you know, the lasting impression on your brain is that ultra running equals pleasure because of, because that's how it ended. So in a case like yours, it's different. I mean, you don't have that positive ending, and uh, you know, so so potentially it could affect you differently. I, I would think I would think enough of that races like those really would cause you to quit. Right. Yeah. You know, so, I think that I think that they might. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, I don't know. That that's interesting because you know, if you're if you're running from a, a lion or something like that, you know, and it's this horrible experience, but you you get away from it and you feel good about it. <laughs> um, you're still gonna want to stay away from lions, right? You're not gonna want to you know, <laughs> tempt fate with the lion again, right? Yes, that's that's true. Um, I think I think there are a lot of other factors going on there <laughs> as well, like the fact that you were didn't die when the alternative was that you could have. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no, no, I get it. <laughs> But yeah, that that's a good counterexample, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, so um, you know, I think that a lot of people, you know, whether it's with weight loss or or maybe they're running their first uh, 10k or half marathon or something like that, um, you know, maybe it's not as successful as they want. They're not able to lose the amount of weight that they want, or they're not, um, you know, they have a goal of of finishing it under two hours and they don't come anywhere close to that you know how do you uh how do you think you you continue to move on past that how do you how do you keep motivation high and your spirits high when when it hasn't gone the way you want it to um from my experience from from this boston qualifying experience which which is where i learned a lot of lessons about this stuff is you kind of have to just sort of be irrational with yourself like like what I did was I, w- I would view these races going into them, and I would say, I'm going to qualify for Boston today, even though I wasn't really prepared, and I don't think that's the best thing to do. Like, I think you should have a goal that's – on race day, have a goal that's realistic based on your training. I right. kind of didn't, and I would every time still have this dream that, that somehow I'd find this extra speed and be able to run faster. And I think if not for that, had I been more patient and, and been a little bit smarter about that, I probably could have done it quicker because I would have had less injury issues and things. Right. But anyway – um, so, so when I, when I would start out on race morning, I would say anything less than a BQ today is a failure. And I would feel that throughout the entire race. 
And I would even, and I'd hit that point like at mile 20 or 23 where it just became obvious that there's no possible way I'm going to run this time that I'm hoping to run. And then I would kind of adjust that in my head and say, okay, well, I'll take a 320 today. That would be good. And, and even still, I'd be setting sights too high. But somehow after I crossed the finish line in like really instantaneously, it then became a success. Like I then all of a sudden shifted my view and said, okay, now instead of having a PR of 340, my PR is now 330. And, and all of a sudden I would just immediately shift and view that as a successful race because of what it, because of what it changed. So like my, I just kind of shifted the perspective kind of unfairly. Like it wasn't like, you know, if, if I was going into the day saying that anything but a, but a 310 is a failure and then I turned around and viewed 330 as a success, you know, that's kind of feels like it's cheating in your head, but, <laughs> but it's what works and it, it's what, it's what it took for me to then, you know, get excited again about that next race and say, okay, now I'm starting 10 minutes closer than I, than I was six months ago. Right. And, you know, it was the only way that I could get back out there and then kind of repeat the same situation again. And that's exactly what I did. I, I really repeated that four or five times after, after that first race before I, before I finally did it. So what do you think, you know, like for me in, in my situation with the 50 K, um, you know, I, that didn't happen. I wasn't able to, or I, maybe I didn't right. try, I don't know, but I wasn't able to make that switch. Um, you know, how, how do you think you were able to do that? You know, if your goal really was to be cute or, or do you think that it didn't really matter as long as you, as long as you PR'd, like how were you, you able what? to switch so quickly? I think, I think it's going to be different from your situation here because yours, like you're running that 50 K wasn't, you didn't have some overarching goal that that was part of that that was one stepping stone up right i mean that that was going and doing an ultra for the sake of enjoying an ultra and just doing it for the reason that we that we do ultra marathons right um for me i had at the beginning of this bq process and even not the beginning maybe maybe at the at the time of the second marathon where i where i took a whole bunch of time off my first one uh, i first i just really really drilled it into my head that like I was going to end up doing this no matter what. And this is when I was this is when I was running like a 350 marathon. So I was still 40 minutes away and for all I knew I had already taken off the bulk of the time that I'd be able to and wouldn't be able to do much more. But for some reason I convinced myself and I was really into like the personal development and Tony Robbins type stuff then so that that could have had something to do with it. But I like fully believed that I was going to do it. And I would even when I was running I would like shut my eyes and just kind of imagine that right now I was I was finishing my qualifying race and I was in the final point two and I could see the clock that, you know, I had whatever, five minutes to spare or something. And I would just put myself in that situation while I was running. And I'm not recommending that you close your eyes when you run, <laughs> anyone listening to this, but I would just get as into that situation as I could and like fully associated to it as I could. And I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but that would actually, like I, that would get myself to start having like my eyes would kind of well up from like emotion, like being so happy. So I think doing that enough times and just fully believing that I was going to do it no matter what, I think that sort of made it automatic that as soon as I had that failure, it would become like, okay, well, well, you're going to get there somehow. So what's the, what's the best approach? And now it's view this as a success and, and enjoy that you have a new starting point. That's a lot closer than it was before you ran this, this failure of a marathon. Right. So, you know, I don't know. In in a situation like yours that I don't really think that applies. But I think for someone who is trying to say lose a whole lot of weight or something, I mean, I think that helps to at the beginning 
get yourself like really convince yourself fully and 100% believe that that you can and that you're going to get to wherever it is you want to and and convince yourself that you're not going to stop until you do like just tell yourself even if I even if I do never get there I'm not going to stop trying to and I mean once you kind of accept that and like you, and your body believes that I don't know it just sort of I think it just shifts a lot of things in your head and it's I can't explain how how do you really convince yourself that you can do something and that you're going to but th- that was that's what it was for me I think right okay so yeah not that I don't know that that's that helpful or, or applicable but I'm sure to some people it will be to their situation so <laughs> that I mean that could be a whole other episode a whole sort of mental mental game thing <laughs> yeah but, anyway so um, what, what kind, you mentioned another, you ran a race last weekend, is that what you said? After? Uh, no, I have one, um, in 10 days, and, uh, the 13th. Next weekend, um, okay. Yeah, next weekend. So, and you're still gonna do that, right? Yeah, that's the plan. I, uh, so basically I, you know, I thought about it for a while and, and really contemplated, meditated on the, on the thought of, of dropping out and whether I wanted to, to keep running and, and decided that, um, I'd be too angry at myself if I if I let such a bad race um kind of in my in my racing for a while. Right. Um so so I just I'm gonna go back out there and just, you know, try to do it again and, and hopefully this time um it won't be so bad. It's a fifty mile race. I don't really have a big time uh goal or anything like that, but I want to my my main goal is to just not um feel horrible the entire time. <laughs> Good goal. Right. Yeah, which you know could happen or not, but I want to you know it, even if I if I just finish this race um, and finish it well, you know, and finish it on a good note, then I then I'm gonna be totally happy. And you know, and it took me uh, kind of deciding that it, it took me admitting the fact that um, I had a bad race and everyone has bad races and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And then it took me uh, kind of evaluating why it is that I like running and why I like doing ultras um, and reminding myself of, of what that is. And then um, kind of deciding that the, that outweighs the, you know, the negative feelings that I have from, from the other weekend. And what, what is that reason? Like, what is, what is it for you that, that why you like doing ultras? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that in general, you know, what I like about running is the, is the, um, the long hours when you're alone or contemplating, um, you know, different things and, and you're struggling things internally, um, with your mind and externally with your, the physical, you know, act of running. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like, I like that low point. I like kind of knocking myself down so that I have to, um, kind of build myself back up, you right. know, and I just think I just hadn't experienced it to this point before. And that's partly why I struggled with it so much, but, um, yeah. You know, and I think that most marathoners or, or anyone who's doing distance, even if it's a half marathon, that's part of the appeal is that it's such a absurd thing to think about running that long. Um, and and it's hard, you know, it's hard, and you have to you have to have the willpower. It's not just uh, physical strength; you have to have the mental strength and the willpower to get through it. And I like testing that and kind of make forcing myself into those situations. So that's what I decided I liked, and that's what um, you know, and that's the the whole point of a, of an ultra in my opinion um for me mm-hmm. who's i know i'm not going to win them um All right and and i'm not i can't i can't let 
the reason I like running ultras keep me from running ultras because I had a bad time doing it. You know? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to figure out what it is for me, and it, it's something along those lines. I don't think it's the being out alone and time to think to myself. Cause I don't know that that's never appealed to me. But it's something about the breaking yourself down and sort of just demonstrating that that you can get through a really horrible part when it feels like you can't. Right. But you know, and I I don't know. I, I think that's what it is. I'm not sure. But it, it's interesting that you know that's that's. That is also the thing that makes people want to quit, like like he said. Right. It's the very thing that you actually do it for. Right. Um. What What do you think, Doug, about taking a break? Like, do Do you think there's uh, certainly I think there's there's benefit to taking a break, no doubt about it. Scott Jurek takes apparently six weeks off of running every single year, and he's one of the best ultra runners in the world. But what about I don't know. What about when it's not like a deliberate break that you kind of plan, but as much as like I'm just going to stop and take a break now. What do you, I mean, what do you think about breaks? Have you have you ever taken a significant running break for that kind of reason? Um, not you know, not really. I, I I took a few significant breaks after my first couple of marathons just because I didn't have another goal and kind of lost focus on all that. But, you know, I think that um I think the breaks I think you need to take a break when you're no longer getting as much out of what you're doing um as you're putting into it. You know, mm-hmm. if it if it becomes if you're not gaining anything from running anymore, um, then you shouldn't be doing it because then you're just gonna hate it and you're gonna um, get so burnt out that you're never gonna want to do it again. Um, yep. So I definitely if if and I think I you know I would have been okay with taking a break after this race if if I just wasn't able to if I when I thought about why I love running ultras and it just seems like something I just didn't want to do anymore, then, you know, I think taking a break would have been a good idea. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of reevaluate each your situation each time. And, um, and I decided that it wasn't for me this time, but, um, yeah, I think breaks are good. What are you, what do you think? I think they are good. I've never really taken one deliberately. I've never been in a spot where I've thought about, I've had those ultra marathon moments where I say after this, if not stop entirely, I'm going to just take a break and kind of gather my thoughts and figure out if I want to keep doing this. Uh, and, and I mean, to the past, I mean, to some extent, the past two years, I've kind of taken a break from how I had been running. Like I, I had that qualified for Boston in October 09. And that, you know, that was coming off the heels of another marath of two other marathons, like right in the beginning of the year and the end of the previous one. And, you know, right, and then I guess four or five months later, I ran my first 50 miler. So I was training that whole time, and then I ran another 50 three months after that, and then I ran Marine Corps Marathon one month after that, and then I started to have my knee acting up. So that was sort of a forced break at that point. But right. I don't know. At that point, I felt like I really, I felt like I needed it and wanted it. Just I, I was much more than being physically needing a break. It was just emotional, like being that. I don't know, thinking all the time about running and, and thinking all the time about a goal and something that I'm trying to train for and get improve myself for, essentially. I don't know. I, I just got to the point where I, I didn't... I needed to stop doing that for a little while. And so my running since then... I actually I did one more ultramarathon, like, I don't know, six months after that Marine Corps. And that's the one that I felt really kind of knocked me out into a break. Uh, I wrote about it in your in your Running Mantras ebook that... Mm-hmm. I finished it, but but I felt sort of like you did. I never really felt that 
great surge come back and didn't have a great lasting feeling. And I, you know, so at that point, I kind of took those thoughts seriously. Like I said, when I'm done this, I really do want to think about why I'm doing it. Like, I don't know why I ran that race. I didn't really, I, with me, running has always kind of never been just for the pleasure of getting out there and running. Like, I've, I just love the idea of going after some big goal that seems crazy and, and eventually getting it. Right. That that race wasn't really a stepping stone to anything, and it was I'd done 50ks by then, so it didn't it didn't represent some big victory to me to get it done. Uh, right. and, and it was still really really hard, and and I was miserable during a lot of it. So I don't know. After that, I kind of you know wanted to think why am I doing this? I wanted to run a hundred, but I didn't know if I had it in me. And I think that's the reason. Like I haven't wanted to do things that I've already done, like 50ks and 50 milers, since then. So I, I've taken a much I don't know, more laid back approach to running. I've run, tried to run for the sake of running since then and just not really often getting up over 10 miles for long runs uh, until this recent time when I've kind of, you know, and I think, I think taking that break is what an extended break has brought me back. And finally, finally this kind of desire to run a hundred woke up in me and said, it's time to start training hard and doing this. And it's been great. Like I'm, I'm now in the past two months, having all these great feelings that I remember of where like running is all you can think about and you can't wait to, to recover and get out there for your next run the next day. Like that, that's what I've always loved about the training process and running. And it's like, I think the break was necessary for that to happen. So do you think that, um, you know, during the break, did you find yourself naturally kind of keep coming back to the idea of the hundred and, and running again? Or was it, um, was it something that you, read a book and got inspired or you just sat down and said, huh, do I want to do this again? Or, or did you, did it kind of naturally come back for you? It, it was, it was kind of all those things. I mean, it was, it was definitely, it kept coming up in my head and I would just kind of remember that I had had this goal and that I had felt fairly certain that at one point I would do a hundred in my life. Right. And, and sometimes it would even be a sort of almost like not a guilty feeling, but a feeling of like, wow, I can't believe how far I've gotten from there and how am I ever going to get back to where I was to do that again. And, but you know, it's, I, and it's similar to the Boston thing. Like it's never really something that I've been able to put out of my mind and, and say, okay, well, I'm fine that I didn't do that. It just kept coming back. And, uh, and when I would read a book, like last year I read Scott Jurek's book and Mitch Roll's book around the same time as each other. And that like definitely got me started running a lot. And so I put in a lot of miles in the second half of last year that a lot of, you know, very long, I mean, not long, but very easy miles and a good number of six to 10 mile runs. Right. And I, I think now that's kind of paying some benefits for having that sort of base. Right. But uh, this reminds me of, of, of the Boston thing. Like I would take breaks after those races when I was, uh, I would, I would go from 350 down to 336 or whatever. And I would, I would then take a little, I'd tell myself it was going to be a two week break to let injuries and things heal up and let myself feel better. But I wouldn't sign up for the next race. And as you know, that's kind of like doom that, that like can lead to six months off. And it did for me. But again, because I had gotten myself so convinced and so sure that I was going to do this, it was like I would just, I would, it would just start creeping back into my thoughts again. This idea that you need to get back out there and, and do it again to get to Boston. So. Uh, yeah, uh, for some reason that that's happened that way for me. Like I, I tend to, I guess, not not easily forget things that I try to do, even even if uh, even if I I get really far removed from from that. It, it tends to keep creeping back up, which is good, I guess, in a way. I don't know. <laughs> sure. No, I think it is good. You know. Yeah. 
better than not. Right. Yeah. All right. So anything else about this topic, Doug, before we move on, wrap it up? I don't think so. I think, I think we covered it. Hopefully people can, uh, when they're feeling down and they're feeling a little defeated, can remember just to kind of refocus and, <laughs> right. and they can get back out there and, and they'll do well. Yeah. Do it again. Yep. And this, this topic is a little different. Like we've tried to up up until now have topics that are uh, fairly, I don't know, bite sized chunks. I mean things that you can listen to the podcast and then have something that you can do. Like like here's how to run your first ultra marathon or how to get started in in ultra running and what you know what do you need to think about kind of things with a with a real purpose to them and like a result that you might hope to get. We didn't really have that this time. Like we're not. You know this this uh, this discussion doesn't promise any sort of uh, anything other than other than perhaps some insight just from listening to two people who have been through this sort of thing and just hearing some different opinions. So it's a little different, but we figured we'd do it since people are apparently into the podcast. A few people at least. <laughs> so I don't know. We figured we'd just change it up. Okay. Yeah. All right. So with that, I guess we will wrap it up. This has been uh, not terribly long episode, but fairly long and hopefully you guys got some good stuff out of it and some entertainment at the very least for your long run and uh let's see the last minute things here we have the nomad athlete community site which is going to be forums and kind of a place for for people to connect hopefully on like a local level that's really what i am hoping to get out of this thing uh but also online so that people can ask questions and hopefully get a bunch of answers from other from other people who Think about the same things as you do and, and are in the same position as you do. So we are going to have this thing launching soon. I, it was supposed to be around the beginning of the year, but my book dragged on, and finishing it up took way longer than I thought. So anyway, this community site is very close to launching, uh, hopefully by the end. like It could be mid-April. It could be two weeks from now. Or by the time you hear this podcast, it could be launching a few days later. Um, but other than that, the book is done really out of my hands uh waiting now to get it back from design i've seen the cover which is really cool uh i've passed it on to the person who's writing the forward and i can't quite say who that is yet but but it's <laughs> someone that's that's known and and it's it's just someone who i'm very honored to have writing the forward of my book Great. so lots lots of cool stuff's happening with that i can't still i don't know if i can what i'm allowed to talk about yet but i have a big call with them uh next week actually about <clears throat> kind of like start to talk about how we will how how they will market the book and kind of how you know how what I can tell people about it and what content we can share and all that kind of stuff. So there should be a lot more information coming out about that soon. I'm really looking forward to it. It was a ton of work. I really think it was worth it and I think we made something pretty good. So I'm really excited for that and uh I will be sharing a lot about that soon. That's great. Yeah, I noticed uh you've been celebrating a little bit. I saw on Twitter that you hosted a a beer party, <laughs> a beer uh Caring party, right? How did that I go? I did. I had a vegan beer dinner where I picked five courses and uh, you know made food and then matched local North Carolina beers to them to each dish. Uh, it went well. It was really fun. I I I I have respect for people who can do that well because pairing <laughs> pairing beer with food is hard, a lot harder than pairing wine with food huh. in my experience. But it was I mean it was still good. At no point was it like this is this is a bad pairing. They they were all actually I think good pairings. I think there weren't any real misses. Really? But it's just hard. Beer to me, beer and food, beer goes really well with pretzels and pizza and junky, high carbohydrate, you know, snack right. food. It's it's hard to match beer with like a big, rich, hearty pasta dish. 
which I try to do. But <laughs> anyway, um, I'm actually I think I'm gonna write a no Nomiathi post about that. I have I took pictures and everything and saved all the stuff, so I have that. I'm just kind of waiting for the right time to put something up like that. I don't know. It's sort of not really athlete related at all, but it it might be fun. So yeah, yeah, I'd be interested to read it. So. All right. Well, maybe I'll do it then. Do, do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I've been doing that. Uh, not too much other celebrating. I'm trying to keep the celebrating to a minimum, at least. Right. Uh, it's it's too hard in Asheville. There, there's there's opportunities to celebrate every night if you want. <laughs> <laughs> trying not to do that. Oh, well, that's good. Yes. Um. All right. So that's that's it. I think. Anything else, Doug? To to mention out here, we can promote your ebook. Doug's ha- Doug has a cool book about mantras that i contributed to susan jason fitzgerald uh many other people bloggers and cool people and it's about this sort of thing it's about kind of heady topics at least i don't know some of them are and some are more like just little little things that you can tell yourself to give yourself a boost and and run a little bit faster so check out doug's ebook it's new totally free uh at rockcreekrunner.com yep and uh i guess that's it right yeah, I think that's it. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and uh, we're like, hoping to do these more often and, and hope people keep listening. That's right. So go, like we said, go to iTunes and rate or review the show or whatever, or, or send us a message on Twitter that says you like it or say suggestions that we can do. I mean, just we want to know that people are listening, and uh, you know that, that will encourage us to do more. So please do that. <laughs> all right, so th- <laughs> thanks for listening. Thank you, Doug. It's been fun. These always are. And uh, do another one soon. All right. Thanks, Matt. Okay. See you later.